You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko, along with your host, James Rapine. And man, I, I can't get used to doing the video stuff. In case you missed yesterday's episode, we're on YouTube now. If you're new to the podcast, go check it out. Locked on Bengals at YouTube. If you're new to the podcast and you're from YouTube, we're available everywhere you get your podcasts in case you can't pull up YouTube in your car or something. We're on Spotify. We're on iTunes. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all that good stuff. We're everywhere you get your podcast. You can find us on Twitter as well. That's where we do most, if not all of our social media at James Rapine, at Jake Lisko at Locked On Bengals. Especially important that you follow at Locked On Bengals for our weekly mailbag segments about once a week. We take your questions and we answer them in order. In order of how good they are. No, I'm just kidding. But we do try to answer <laughs> the best questions. We've got a really good show in store for you guys today. I'm excited for it because training camp is going to open probably by the time most of you watch this video, listen to this podcast. On Wednesday, the Bengals will have their first practice. James, you'll be there. And it got me thinking, what are the biggest roster battles? This roster, as I was reading Paul Daner Jr.'s article on The Athletic, is pretty well set in most significant spots. For most players that are going to get a lot of playing time, there aren't major questions. There are some. So I asked the people of Twitter, what are the most compelling roster battles for you this year? And I figured that's where we start the show. I think there's enough to talk about there with training camp starting tomorrow that there's a lot of discussion to be had around the interesting training camp battles and some of the more interesting topics, generally speaking, that we're going to be watching. For sure. I I think there's a lot of interest here. And while there are some battles, you're right. I mean, the top three receiver spots set, top running back spots set. We obviously know who the quarterback and the tight ends are going to be. Well, that's most of the offense. And outside of maybe Trey Hopkins' health, how quickly Jackson Carmen adjusts to life in the pros, you might be set on the offensive line. I mean, I guess you could say that there's a battle for that left guard spot with Quentin Spain and Xavier Suofilo. That is fair. But, you know, outside of that, most of these spots on offense are, are set at the same time. We got the punt returner battle. We got linebackers. We got a bunch of different areas that I I think we can cover as well. Plus, we uh, obviously want to know how all these guys are going to be doing. So I'm excited uh, to get to camp on Wednesday afternoon. And you're right. We'll uh, we'll, we'll get the first little tidbit, little slice of information that we'll break down here daily. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing a few of the rotational battles on the defensive side of the ball. But before we get into that, actually, the thing that I forgot to mention is we got some injury updates on Tuesday, and it's good news for the most part. We're still waiting to see what's going on with Cam Sample's hamstring. We we didn't get an update there, but three of the players that were on the non-football injury or illness list were activated, Puka Williams being one of them. And Rennell Wren being the other very noteworthy name, Riley Lee's a depth wide receiver who happened to go to my alma mater, by the way, Northwestern alum, was also one of those guys activated from the uh, non-football injury list. And speaking of Northwestern, the other minor move to mention is a Bengal signed offensive tacker, tackle Gunnar Vogel, another Northwestern guy. And 
I think that he was one of the guys that was in for a tryout yesterday. So no, no news on Austin Ryder, but we do get news instead on Gunnar Vogel. Yeah. And he was probably, you know, one of the three or four guys they brought in and they're still at 88 guys as we record this. So they have room for a guy like Austin Ryder. And I think the reason a guy like he, his, uh, of his stature, not that he's a pro bowler, but the reason he's still available right now is there's probably an injury concern. I heard something about a knee. So we'll see, uh, you know, and the other thing might be he didn't get guaranteed a chance to compete for the starting job. I assume the Bengals say, Hey, Trey Hopkins is our guy as you know, starting center. And, and that's probably what they told him. And if you're Austin Ryder, maybe you hold out and wait and see if you can uh, snag at least a, a, a spot where you can compete for that starting job. So there are a lot of factors there. I wouldn't be shocked if he signs with the Bengals. I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up elsewhere. Um, but I think something will get done over the next week or two, because usually veterans like him, they want to be in camp. They want to get ready for the season. Yeah, I think he'll very much be one of the guys are considering, but probably not for a starting job. It sounds like they're very optimistic that Trey Hopkins is going to be ready to go. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about what starting jobs might be up for grabs because I think one of them is on the offensive line. What I found really interesting when reading Paul Daner, who, again, I'm going to reference this article, the 53-man roster projection that he put up on theathletic.com on Tuesday, he actually thinks that Jackson Carmen starts the year on the bench, which I found very intriguing. I think that that is a departure from my assumptions about what their plans were for him, at least based on their post-draft rhetoric. It sounded to me like he was, in their mind, plug-and-play right guard. But the the point that he made that I think is a good point is, you know, he could potentially take some time, adjust to the NFL if he needs a few weeks, and you've got veterans in Xavier Sufilo and Quentin Spain that have played both sides, that have been there before. So that, I suppose, is the one starting job that really comes to mind for me on the offensive side of the ball, where there could be a bit of a competition if Jackson Carmen doesn't come in and show that he's ready to go and run away with it. And that to me, for the, I don't even want to say the team soul folks, but the team, I can't believe you didn't draft insert the name with the 38th pick and you traded down. If Jackson Carmen can't start and he loses to, you know, loses out to Xavier Suofilo, Let's just say that's not a good look. Now that doesn't mean he's not going to end up being a good NFL player, but that stinks. And, and, you know, and that logic of waiting on the offensive lineman, you know, it takes a a slight hit because look, if if he was as good as they think he is, why wouldn't he be able to start over Xavier Sofilo, a guy who's, you know, just kind of a journeyman at this stage of his career and has battled injuries. And so for Jackson Carmen's sake, uh, I, I think he needs to uh, put a, a good foot forward here and, and try to earn that job. But at the same time, from a, a coaching standpoint, you don't want to just hand the second round pick the job. You want him to beat out Xavier Suofilo. So I understand that logic, and I'm not saying they should hand Carmen the job by any stretch. But if he can't beat out Xavier Suofilo, then we might have to have another conversation. And, and that's nothing against Xavier at all. But they didn't draft Jackson Carmen to, to be a backup. And, you know, if, if he's – to me, he needs to flash enough to where you can start him week one and feel good about it because if you're okay with him starting in week five, let's say, right, in a month in, then hopefully he's flashed enough to where he's ready to go week one anyways because if you're not comfortable with week one, 
outside of injury, why would you be comfortable a month later? It's not like they're going to go uh, crazy heavy practice-wise and full contact practices during the season. I guess it'll depend on what the issue hypothetically would be. There might be no issue whatsoever. The reason we're talking about this is because, you know, I I was reading Paul's article and he said, I foresee him opening the year as a backup, but the the reasons would be potentially mental would be, you know, he's, he needs some time to grasp the playbook. He needs some time to grasp the speed of the game. And you'll learn those things in preseason. You'll be able to tell pretty quick. Does he need some time to adjust or, or is he ready to go? I think it'll be interesting to to wrap up the conversation about the offensive line. What happens behind these guys? I currently, in you know, the day before training camp, expect Jonah Williams, Quentin Spain, Trey Hopkins, and I do expect Jackson Carmen, right guard, Riley Reef, right tackle. Behind those guys, though, it gets interesting. You've got some really intriguing players in Fred Johnson, Deontay Smith, especially after we heard Brian Callahan talk up Deontay Smith when we talked to him a couple days ago. Jackson Carmen, of course, in the mix with Xavier Suofilo potentially, but Xavier Suofilo, uh, Billy Price, Trey Hill, Lamont Gilliard, the, the center they just got off of waivers. Where does that shake out, right? Does Trey Hill actually make the team? If, if they keep 10 linemen, potentially, that could still have Trey Hill on the outside looking in. And with Hakeem Adenergy clear, maybe that opens up a spot for him, but it gets very tight along that offensive line to fit these guys onto the roster. It does. And I wouldn't be shocked if we see Trey Hill line up at guard some yeah. early in camp. And, and and I think that's kind of the route they want to go with him. They like his size, uh, his strength. And so I, I don't know if they view him uh, as a center, not that he can't be versatile enough to play there in an emergency role or something like that. But I think his path is showing that he can be an NFL guard this preseason. But you're right. There are a lot of bodies. And when you add, you know, add three linemen in the draft, you add a couple undrafted guys, uh, and you have young linemen already that you're trying to develop, guys like Fred Johnson, I mean, there are going to be some guys on the outside looking in. And this is what you want. You do want competition, and, and you want guys that are, are quality, n- names that we uh, talk about, right, that fans and, and listeners of Locked On Bengals, that they know relatively well. You want those guys uh, to be battling for spots because that's going to make the offensive line uh, as good as possible. And so that's something they haven't had. And I, I do think that from a, a depth perspective, it is a little deeper in the trenches this season. I'll be very interested to see how Michael Jordan has progressed as well and and see how uh, he's dealing with the the mental bit of the game after he really did blame himself quite a bit for Joe Burrow's injury. But I think the offensive line, the, the big names to watch are going to be Mike Jordan at the end of the roster, Trey Hill at the end of the roster, and then the other guys I think have a longer shot. Isaiah Prince, Keaton Sutherland, Lamont Gilliard, I think are very much at this point camp depth, and we'll see if they have anything to show. Coming up next, James, we have a lot more roster battles to talk about, and I can't wait to get into it. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The NBA draft is later this week. Obviously, training camp is underway. Those two things, obviously, you can bet on whether it's Jamar Chase winning NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year. Maybe it's who goes number one overall, Cade Cunningham, to the uh, to the Detroit Pistons with the first pick in the NBA draft. Or maybe you want to get into the over-unders as well and how many games the Bengals can win this season. You can do it all in one spot betonline.ag. Plus they have major league baseball. They have UFC and mixed martial arts in one spot. So check them out again, betonline.ag. And when you're there, 
make sure you use promo code locked on when you sign up because when you do that you're going to get a 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit get in on the action get off the sidelines make some money while you watch these games at betonline.ag again promo code locked on you're going to get a 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online your online sportsbook experts Coming out of these ad breaks is going to take a little bit of practice for the YouTube folks, but let's keep going with these roster battles, James, and take a look at some of the more popular answers to my Twitter poll. I I informally asked the people that follow me on Twitter, what are the roster battles that you find most compelling? A lot of people talked about offensive line, but a lot of people talked about running back outside of Joe Mixon as well. And before the show started, you know, you mentioned people really like Puka Williams. Well, now he's healthy and now he's in the mix for a roster spot. I still think he's on the outside looking in right now. I don't think, you know, you listen to the way Callahan talked about him. He's electric. He's, he's a dynamic playmaker, but he's not a running back and he's not quite a wide receiver. So you kind of have to figure out, you know, how, how do you get him on the field? And, and that's a question for him. But Samaji P. Ryan, obviously running back number two. Behind him, though, it it does get to be fairly compelling and fairly interesting because Chris Evans arrives with quite a bit of hype for a late round pick who missed a year, who was suspended for a year and then didn't really play after that. But dynamite athlete. We've talked about his receiving ability. He's been praised for his pass blocking, his intelligence, his work ethic. So that one's really interesting to watch him battle it out with Jacquez Patrick, who we had on the podcast, of course, and Travion Williams. I think Chris Evans is the second most talented running back on the roster. And I, I don't even know if it's that close. And I've only seen a couple practices, but it was that obvious to me. He's big. He's got good size. He's fluid. He moves. And, and so I agree. Samaj P. Ryan probably locked into that second spot for now. But, man, I, I think Chris Evans has potential to unseat him at the same time, you, you know, P. Ryan, more established, we know what he brings, had a good finish to last year. So, you know, maybe that doesn't happen. But to me, Evans is ahead of Williams right now. Um, you know, I, I like Patrick a lot. I I think he's a big body. I think he's certainly someone uh, that can make some noise this preseason. But that's going to be challenging to unseat a guy like Evans who uh, – he's just so fluid. I mean, that's the really the best way to describe him. Like, you know, Joe Mixon runs well with the choice routes and stuff like that. And we talked with Callahan about that. Like Evans, I think, can do all of that. And, and he's got size. He's got burst. He's got speed. So I know a lot of people are excited about Puka Williams. And I get it. He's electric. I think Evans is just as electric. Plus, he's bigger. And you can tell he's a, a running back from a distance away. So, you know, if it's uh, Puka Williams or Chris Evans, I think Evans gets the nod. And, and I would be... Honestly, I'd be surprised if he's not the third running back on this depth chart by the time uh, preseason ends and we're looking uh, uh, forward to the Vikings essentially week one on September 12th. I think that's a real battle. I don't know if I go so far as to say I'd be surprised if he's not number three, but I could definitely see it panning out that way. I think he has the talent to get there. I think he has the versatility to get there. But uh, as Paul Daner Jr., I'm going to keep referring to this article, wrote up, Travion Williams does have his supporters in the building, and I think that that'll be interesting because he does have a lot of the similar skill sets, but maybe if Chris Evans is a better athlete and he picks it up mentally and and he can do all the things that they need a third down back to do, and he can spell Joe Mixon on base downs too when he needs to, although that's probably Samaji Piran's job. If you show that versatility, this coaching staff loves 
that versatility. They love that kind of work ethic. So he, he's going to have his work cut out for him, I think, as a late round pick. But it's not like there's a lot of high round picks that he's competing with. He's competing with other guys that were, you know, street free agents or late round picks or college free agents or XFL signings. So I, I think that one is is a pretty wide open competition. Some other ones that are going to be interesting, I think we could we could talk depth tight end. We could talk punt returner. We could talk defensive line rotation. Where do you want to go next, James? Well, the third tight end. I mean, we know the first two, right, in C.J. Uzama and Drew Sample. But what what happens after that? Does Mason Shrek crack the 53? Does Thaddeus Moss? And I, here's why I think he's the favorite. I think he's going to have such an instant rapport with Burrell. They're best friends off the field. That matters because it's going to translate at least a little bit on the field. And so if Thad Moss is willing to get to get dirty, so to speak, on special teams, why not? But, you know, there's going to be a battle there for sure in the tight end room. And while Moss is the favorite, probably based on name and relationships, I think it's far, far from a foregone conclusion that he makes this roster. It's going to be a battle for sure. Yeah, whoever that guy is that's the third tight end is going to have to contribute on special teams. And I think the same is true when you start to get to the depth wide receiver competitions. You know, who's going to be number six? Who, do they keep seven receivers again this year? Because the, the top five probably seem pretty well set, right? You've got the starters in Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. Behind them, I think Auden Tate and Mike Thomas are, are pretty solidly on the roster. The Bengals liked what Mike Thomas did for them last year, and they brought him back. So I don't see them moving him unless somebody really breaks out in a big way. And then you've got a couple of free agents and, and Stanley Morgan. So some punt return options potentially that are battling for number six. And, and then Stanley Morgan, who's just a special teams defensive ace on a team that lost a lot of their special teamers. So like the tight end position, whoever that person is, is going to have to be a significant contributor on special teams. I think the same is true at wide receiver, and it'll be very interesting to see if they have enough space to keep seven of those guys after everything shakes out in a few weeks. For sure. I mean, Trent Taylor's the guy, right? I, I think he can seize that punt returner job because he has experience. He instantly slides into this backup slot role. You know, he, he has the... Uh, enough pelts on the wall to to earn that trust. So he's going to probably get the first crack at it, but it won't be the only crack. And th- that's going to be such an interesting battle. Does Riley Lease from Northwestern, does he crack it, right? D- does he have a shot now uh, at punt returning? Puka Williams is going to be in there and in that mix, at least in practice. We'll see if he gets in. Darius Phillips could unseat them all. I think he's the best of all of them. But can he prove that he's reliable? Um, and, and so then – if he does it, well, then it frees up that wide receiver spot. And that's kind of the roster juggle is where does that punt returner come from? And if it is, you know, the wide receiver room, then maybe you do need to end up keeping seven uh, of these guys. If it's not, well, then you might be fine with just six. So that part, that balance is is going to be interesting. Would you, would you agree, by the way, that Taylor's probably the favorite? I know he's battled some injuries but to me, he just feels like the favorite going into camp, even though it's a wide open competition. Like if I had to, to place odds from bet online, I think Taylor would be at the top. I think he's the most natural backup slot option with the most experience. And I think that the other guys they have on the roster are more 
uh, apt to play on the outside. So yeah, I, I think that that's reasonable. I think he fits in as a backup slot and a potential punt returner to spell Darius Phillips, who I'm sure they will want to return punts if he's healthy. And, and that's always been the big question for him. There are a lot of other things that we're going to be watching in camp, James. I think one of them is going to be the defensive line rotation and, and trying to get a feel for how many guys are going to make this team. Renell Wren being activated today. How much of a difference does that make for his chances to be one of those guys? I think linebacker, seeing if they keep one of these guys that they've signed, some of the college free agents, depth guys, see if any of them are necessary or any of them stand out. And then I think the sixth corner is another one that is is very much up for grabs and we'll have plenty of time to talk about those. But coming up next, let's wrap up the show by talking a little bit about Mike Brown's comments and what he's expecting from the team in his first contact with the media in two years. Built Bar is the number one protein bar on the planet. And now that we have a camera, I can look you in the eyes, at least on YouTube. And if you're listening, you can feel me looking at you right now as you're listening in your car, wherever you're listening. Built Bar has worked for me. It'll work for you. I'm going to brag a little bit here, Jake. Today, I broke my record for consecutive push-ups, 115 in a row, beat high school me at 114. So yeah, you got to work on your push-ups, but you know what else you need to do? Eat. Built Bars because they're protein packed, they're low in calories, they're low in carbs, and they're perfect for a post-gym protein packed snack. Maybe it's a midday snack. Look, it's hard to eat healthy. It's certainly hard to eat healthy when you have a busy schedule as you're going back to work. I'm going back to the stadium. Built Bars help me get it done. So check them out right now at Built.com. They have nine amazing flavors plus the limited edition flavor. And when you're there, make sure you use promo code LOCK15 at checkout. You're going to get 15% off your order. Again, go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. How about that? Man, if you're watching, it just makes such a difference for, for the YouTube audience that it's going to be different. I have to think about this now when we're recording our episodes. Like, man, the YouTube viewers are getting a different side of us a little bit than the, pod, than the podcast sure. listeners. And it's also changing the show a little bit. But we're going to get we're going to get in the groove of things. It's still a little bit of a learning experience for me. And the, yesterday in the third segment, I said the same thing. And it's mostly coming out of the ads where it feels like ah, this is really different because I mentioned this on Twitter. We, we didn't typically do one take shows before we, we did a little bit of editing behind the scenes. And those of you that have watched us in some of our live streams in the past, you you've seen some of the editing. So it's a little bit different here, but without further ado, James, let's talk about Mike Brown's appearance with the media. You and I both had the same number one takeaway and, or, or number one intriguing point to talk about. And that was Mike Brown's comments about the offensive line. I asked you what stood out to you from what Mike Brown said, and you were there, you mentioned he has 100% faith in Frank Pollock, loves Frank Pollock. And I just want to read this quote from Mike Brown that really sets the stage. And it kind of surprised me. He went in on the Bengals offensive line. He said, our offensive line is going to surprise people. I think we have an excellent offensive line coach. I think our guys are a mix of youth and experience. We've added new people last year and this year. We have people who've been with us and who are coming along. Jonah Williams is going to show that he's up to it this season. I know he, I know it has been something of an Achilles heel, he said, referring to the offensive line, and it had to be addressed. We tried our best to do that. We think it will show better. Now, this quote in its entirety is a mix of faith and support for his coach and a bit of a potential can of worms 
reminiscent of the we can't find offensive tackles at Walmart because if this offensive line doesn't perform, we're going to look back at this quote and look at the end of it and say, you tried your best and this is what you got. I mean, he's really putting himself out here on this one, I think, a little bit. He is. And, and you know what it, it, it was saying, Jake? In Frank Pollock, I trust. The guy we had in here was a buffoon. And I know offensive line coaches because for years and years and years, Paul Alexander had held down the fort and he got it wrong at the end and we had to get him out of here. But overall, I know Jim Turner wasn't the guy. And we found the guy in 18 and we let him go and we had to get him back. I mean, th- this is about Frank Pollock as much as you could look at Riley Reef and, you know, Jackson Carmen and Jonah Williams, who, you know, Mike did mention. And I do understand why the organization is bullish on Jonah Williams. I think ultimately this is a Frank Pollock thing. And uh, look, no one knows how bad Jim Turner was than the people in that building. And just read between the leaves. Frank Pollock isn't God's gift to offensive line coaching. He just isn't. I get it in 18, right, that there was some celebration. Oh, he he comes from the Cowboys. He's going to help. He used to play. But it wasn't like this. And the fact that they're celebrating like this and so uh, easily, you know, willing, I should be the word, willing to praise Frank Pollock, I think that says as much about Jim Turner and what happened and how it happened. So I I get it. But I also agree with you that uh, we'll, we'll be looking at those words if they struggle on the offensive line. And one other thing Mike did say is that they have to prove it. And he understands why people question the line. And uh, and we'll see if they can prove it. The, the pressure's certainly on. Yeah, I think that Mike Brown is pretty aware of what's going on. He, he might not be able to execute the, the plan, the exact plan that fans want to improve the team the way they want to see it improved. He's never really done that, but... Clearly, the team is is opening its pockets a little bit here, opening the pocketbook, I should say, a little bit here in the last couple of years. They're spending more money on outside free agents, and they're doing a reasonable job at keeping the guys that it seems like this coaching staff wants to keep. And as has been pointed out on this podcast and by others, this team is now 100% Zach Taylor's and this coaching staff's, and this is a big prove-it year for Zach Taylor. Although Mike Brown did outwardly state support for his head coach, I want to get your take on this because when we were talking before the show, you seem to think that this is a, a very big prove it year for, for Zach Taylor. You think his seat is quite hot having heard Mike Brown and watched the way he talked about him. So why don't you talk about that a little bit because you were there? Yeah, it, it's exactly that. Like the pressure's on the seat's hot and it's, uh, it, it's just little things, right? Because he praised Zach. He said how smart of a coach he was and how he learned for the past couple of years and adapted and all of these things. But w- when it comes down to it, he says, well, this is his team, right? It, it, it just little things like that. Uh, you, you know, the, the fact that, it, it, I, and I think he said, prove it. Like this is something that we have to prove. And, and Zach has a lot to prove. And Mike admitted that Zach knows it. And, and that's kind of how I, took away from it. Now, could I be wrong? Maybe, but I think Mike Brown deep down, I rhyme there, is pretty close to where we're at from a Zach Taylor standpoint. Sounds good. We'll see, but man, you got to show me. And, you know, that's honestly, that's exactly where he should be with an offensive minded coach that's 625 and one and has all these weapons now and toys to play with and hopefully at least a good enough offensive line to work. 
and and now an offensive line coach that can put those guys in position to succeed. So I get why it would be that way. And and I do, I I think it is reading in between the tea leaves and reading between the lines. That's uh, that's how Mike Brown views Zach Taylor. It doesn't mean he's going to fire him week seven, but I, I just think it's, it's very much a prove it type year for the third year head coach. It's uh, just to be clear, just for, for future use, I, I didn't have any issue with anything you said, but reading the tea leaves and reading between the lines. I don't know what's between the tea leaves. It's just water in, yeah, in the tea cup. I know. See, in, in, you got me. That's one of those where old Locked On Bengals, as I was saying it, I realized it. But old Locked On Bengals, we'd hit stop and then restart. Can't do that anymore, Jake. So, you know, I got a lot to prove, too. I got a lot to prove, too. I just think that Locked On Bengals – over the past year has gone better than 625 and one. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're one of the, one of the top NFL podcasts out there covering a team that is 625 and one in its last two years. Come on. We're, we're at least like winning the division. I would say we might not be a super bowl team the way that, you know, like locked on NFL draft is those guys do really well, but uh, you know, we're, we're a playoff team for sure in the podcast world. Right. I hope so. And that's all thanks to our, our loyal listeners. I can't believe it. It took less than 24 hours for us to get over 200 subs on YouTube. I mean, our, our listeners are wild, man, and, and we appreciate it for sure. And we appreciate the new people too. Really, really, everybody that listens to the podcast, you guys are the reason we do this. And so we we do appreciate all of the support that we get from our community. And it's pretty exciting stuff. One last thing I want to mention uh, from the Mike Brown comments is – Elizabeth Blackburn, and and we've talked about Elizabeth plenty, but I just really like the way he talked about her. You know, I have a granddaughter who's not scared of me, is what he said. And, and I finally got dragged along, and he's talking about the ring of honor, and that's a good thing. So I think that speaks well to back up what we've all thought about Elizabeth Blackburn all along. And I, I really do think that the current plan is for her to take over this team one day. And so... Uh, it's nice that she's been able to compel her historically, empirically stubborn grandfather to do something and, and help him see the light. And yeah, hopefully that continues, right? What with some of the stuff that she spearheaded, you know, the uniforms, obviously Ring of Honor, we're all excited about that. But uh, at the same time, one of the other takeaways, like Mike is very insane. Think about it. What he, he praised Burrow. He uh, obviously seems to be bullish on Frank Pollock, but a lot of fans are. And and he's not going to knock his offensive line. I I don't think he would do that. But high on Jonah Williams, uh, high uh, on Zach Taylor at the same time, knows he's got to prove it. Like I I think he's closer in feeling to to where the the overall temperament of the fan base is than people realize. It's just we haven't heard him talk in nearly two years until yesterday, or it might have been. Uh, two years until Monday. So it's just, it's one of those things where uh, you, you never know and you, you can't really gauge it unless you're hearing from that individual. Yeah. And he did say he knows they haven't been good enough. He talked about having to win back the fans. We, we're not going to get into that in too much depth because we've heard that from him a lot because this team has been on the rocks a little bit since 2015 and they have a chance to right the ship and get things going in the right direction. Joe Burrow, full go as we get to training camp. I'm so excited we're here. We finally get to talk about actual live football things. We might have 11-on-11 stuff to talk about in the very near future. This weekend, Paul Brown Stadium opens up to fans, 
in that big event, the, the back together event for training camp. A lot of really exciting stuff coming in the very near future. And I can't wait to talk about it here on the Locked On Bengals podcast. And we'll be back. We're here five days a week. If you're new to the show, we're back tomorrow with updates from training camp. James will be there as an eyewitness. And well, I'll be doing what I always do and devouring every bit of information available to me via the wonderful world of the internet. Until next time, Bengals fans, who day and have a good one.